Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh, look at this. We have ourselves a podcast episode. Hey, it's Sandra, and I'm so glad to be talking to you because that means I'm recording this intro, which means I just listened to the episode where I interview Jacqueline Friedman all about consent. And I'm not talking about like that serious consent where like, oh, are one of us going to get in trouble or something? Sure, that's all really important, but I'm talking about consent where everyone's having an awesome time and really present to their pleasure and um, they're getting their needs met. Um, and I, I think that so much, and I've been seeing this a lot in sex positive circles and sex ed circles where we talk about consent like it's this really nebulous, confusing thing, but at the end of the day, it just means that we all want to be doing what we're doing. Um, and of course, Jacqueline goes into so much more detail than than me, and she knows a lot more about it than me. So uh, please um, enjoy this episode, share it around, because I think this is essential, especially if you know people who are in kinky communities, in um, orgy-tastic communities, um, or who are just new to the dating scene. I think this stuff is really important. Let's see. And me, Sandra, I have been away for a bit, and I'm so glad to be back. So glad to be with you. And I've had a hard time this last year, um, as many of us have. If you want to know more about my personal stuff, I, I posted recently on my Facebook page for Sex Nerd Sandra. So you can read there um, just some mental health stuff, some uh, really bizarre aspects of the human experience I didn't know were possible. Um, which might sound mm, vague. I mean it to be vague because I will tell you more about it later because right now I want you to check out Jacqueline Friedman. And she's also, ooh, she's publishing a book later this year called Unscrewed. So her podcast is named the same and you can um, subscribe to that and you can um, join her mailing list at JacquelineFriedman.com. What else? Um, did I tell you about the summer camp I'm going to in June yet? Did I do that? Uh Yeah. June 2nd through 4th, ravishatx.com. Come out if you'd like. I am going on a mini vacation to a sexy camp, and I also agreed to teach an oral sex class and a speed friending event. So, yes, uh, come join uh, if you can. Hey, let's see. I'm looking at my list because I made a list, and then I didn't look at it because um, I was excited to talk to you. Yeah, that seems about it. Yeah. All right. I will see you next week. Enjoy. Uh, learning about consent. Bye. Got him fun. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Yeah, I can talk about sort of how to do sexual communication all day long and like concrete tips. Oh my God, say that, say, say, say that again into the microphone. I can talk about how to do sexual communication all day long. Oh my God, baby. All day long, all night long. All night. Oh shit. I, oh, I just, I just got so consensual. <laughs> oh jeez, Baby. Um, oh my God. How do you say your name? Jacqueline Friedman? That is correct. Jacqueline Friedman. I said it. I just said it right off the bat like that. You said it perfectly. Just as long as you don't call me Jackie, we're good. Oh, is that a... Oh, it pisses me off. Yeah. So like if you're ever in a 
I have no idea if you're kinky or not. Like, this is totally just out. But, like, if you're ever in a BDSM relationship and, like, somebody wants to, like, <gasps> like really trigger you so that you get really angry. Or, like, if you're a dom and they they just really want to get it from you, they should call you Jackie. You know, I have <laughs> never thought about integrating that into play. <laughs> but I think it would really turn me on if somebody was topping me and they were, like whatever jackie you're gonna do what i fucking say now jackie like (laughs) as like a way of degrading me i would i got a little tingle thinking about it oh i love that we just unlocked something there that's cool Uh. (laughs) i've never thought about that before oh man i'm all about i'm all about digging into that stuff i love that stuff but that's like exactly how much I hate it in the real world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's like stuff that's terrible in the real world, and then you take it to the fantasy realm, and suddenly it's like a perfect tool. It's perfect, yeah. yeah. As long as you feel safe and respected and stuff, and like you know, as long as you've got like a basic foundation of negotiation, whatever. Um, oh, oh, Jacqueline. <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's, it's Jacqueline. Um, so we met over the phone like you emailed me it, so long ago when i was on your podcast what's the name of your podcast this is how how much i've been just flying by the seat of my pants this it is week. okay uh when you were on it it was called yes means yes but i relaunched it this year and it's now called unscrewed that's right and i think it's come up a bit and i didn't realize it was the same podcast but yes means yes is such a great title why change it uh because i relaunched it and also because I'm writing a book called Unscrewed. Perfect. And I kind of am trying to move all my stuff under the same idea. I hate the word brand because it's so crass and I don't mean it in a crass way. But just, you know, the basic idea, which is like my work right now is about what are the ways in which our sexual culture are screwed up and how can we unscrew it? Ooh, unwinding it. Yeah. So that's the basic question at the center of all my work. It's the thread that ties it together. And so it felt so correct to, mm. to name it unscrewed. Yes means yes. I felt like it was a more limited topic mm-hmm. than unscrewed. I see. I see. I like that. The question is what happens for your third book when you shift to an, uh, when you shift to a different lens or umbrella again <gasps> well unscrewed is going to be my third book oh oh fourth book fourth book yes after you after i do unscrewed i don't know maybe i'll rename my podcast it's a i'm i'm the boss and then it's got to be re-screwed <laughs> re-screwed you're just gonna <laughs> drill in and drill out yeah well the funny thing is i did a show recently called the cunning linguist which was all because i couldn't resist because i'm corny (laughs) as fuck um which was all about like the weird sexual values in the way we use sort of dirty slang and you know like screwed Mm -hmm. is both good and bad right like i'm saying it in a bad way like it's bad to get screwed but actually like i love Mm -hmm. to get screwed so yeah. yeah, so maybe Rescrewed will be the fourth book. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, it reminds me there's a sexual technique in the multi-orgasmic man by Montak Chia called the screw. And it's it's basically instead of going in and out like a jackhammer, like you know, salsa salsa dance on your partner, basically. Yeah, that's you right. can't see it, but I'm demonstrating she's, it right she's now. Generating real hard on this couch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it just reminds me of of that. But okay. So Jacqueline, we have finally met in person, which is really cool. It is. Yeah. Um, 
thank you for making time in LA and, and emailing me and texting me and, and keeping me on track, which is like, I so appreciate people in my life who are like, Sandra, focus. <laughs> what time? What time? I'm like, uh, 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 two, uh. um, but you're out here interviewing people for your book. You live in Boston. Um, your website is called, you, you're called a pleasure activist, a pleasure activist. Yes. You're feminist and all sorts of things. You're a writer. What do you do in the world? What's your jam? My business card says that I'm a feminist troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my jam is about female sexual agency mostly Mm -hmm. is about us being able to have full control and say so over our bodies and be able to enjoy them freely without shame, blame, or fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, my jam is about reintegrating conversations that I think have gotten incorrectly separated. So on one side, there's like the anti-sexual violence movement, And on the other side, there's like the sex positive movement. And Mm -hmm. I really don't think you can talk about one without the other, Mm -hmm. right? That you can't talk about preventing sexual violence or recovering from sexual violence without talking about sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. and how do we own and be sovereign over our bodies. Mm -hmm. And you can't talk about how do we create a positive sexual culture without talking about sexual violence, right? You have like, it's really one conversation, even though I think a lot of times the two sides like don't integrate that much. And so my jam is about making everybody have the same conversation at the same time. And is that the unscrewed kind of, uh, direction? Yeah, that's part of unscrewing it. I mean, I think that there are a lot of things we have to unscrew. We have to unscrew masculinity. We have to have a cultural narrative about masculinity that doesn't involve dominating and controlling women. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't have to push somebody down for you to go up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. You can be, a man in whatever way that means something to you without having that mean anything about controlling women or being better than women or smarter than women or stronger than women. Uh, we have to unscrew the media, which sells us really narrow ideas about what it means to be sexy as a woman or Mm -hmm. sexual as a woman. And also sells us the idea that our only value is on how sexy we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. We have to unscrew sex ed super hard mm-hmm. by starting to make sure that everyone gets it to, to begin with. Mm-hmm. Did you know there are only 22 states in the country that mandate sex ed and only 19 states that mandate that if schools do teach sex ed, that it's medically accurate? Wow. So that's three states that mandate inaccurate sex ed? No, I actually think of those 19, not all of them mandate that sex ed be taught. They say, but they say, if you're going to teach sex ed, it has to be medical accurate. So actually there are even fewer states that mandate both that you teach sex ed and that it be correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of unscrewing to do in a lot of places. You know, what's interesting about that is that I, it wouldn't even cross my mind. I had to write into the policy, be medically and like scientifically accurate. You just sort of assume if you're going to teach history, you want to like make sure that like those dates are correct. Like, do they have to write in? Right. Like, if there you are teach probably history? no laws that say you must teach history and it must be historically accurate. No, <laughs> but there's so much agenda out there. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the abstinence only courses teach just fully false things about having sex outside of marriage means you can't, won't be able to bond with a husband after when you ha- finally have one and you'll be a failed wife. They mm-hmm. teach you that 
you know, birth control will make you sterile and that mm-hmm. condoms fail all the time. Just things that are truly false. Right. It's just, oh gosh. That to me is, I'm having an issue that I haven't really talked about a ton around, I think, I just kind of do my thing. You know, I teach people about how to give great blowjobs and, you know, interview people like you about your brain. I don't really get all political and stuff. I just sort of like. We eh. all do our things. Right. However. Yes. I'm having an issue with the fact that the phrase sex positive. I'm about to celebrate my seventh year of being a professional sex educator and since I started, sex positive has started to become more and more like it's been co-opted by specific groups that are really outspoken about it being like, ooh, super, uh, and I'm calling it sex enthusiastic. Like you gotta like butt stuff, jazz hands, <sighs> breathe with me. And I'm just like, and real talk, I don't really like butt stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. Right. Right. I actually have stopped identifying with sex positive because I feel like it's become so Mm co-opted and I'm totally for you and other folks who mean it the way that I actually mean my own work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we can make our own decisions about it, but I've encountered in my work, I I visit a lot of colleges and I talk to a lot of people and I've countered numbers of people who have said like that they feel really left out when they Mm -hmm. see the term sex positive and what they've come to expect, right? Jazz hands about butt stuff and no nuanced conversation about sex is not positive all the time for some of us Mm -hmm. um, and no room for that conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, I share that frustration quite deeply. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I've been thinking about how I define it. Um, and I, cause I've started teaching online and I'm, I'm trying to like set expectations and I just feel like, yeah, I mean, you said it well, it's like people, yeah, we've, we've already, yeah. there's, I could, we could do this whole conversation just on what does sex positive mean to you? Um, but like, if you don't like butt stuff, that's great. As long as I feel like as long as it's not because a bunch of people were like, Oh, that's judgy, like judgy sentences about right. homosexuality or... Or real feminists don't let mon- men fuck them in the butt or whatever it is. You get the judgment from all sides. Yeah. No, I tried butt stuff. I tried it a few times with decent partners with good communication. And I was like, this is interesting. And I enjoyed it a little, but it also felt kind of psychologically exhausting. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather do other things. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Like the idea that to be sex positive, you have to like, like all the most extreme things. Or have to try everything. Like you have to try it before you decide that that's not your thing. Like that's, that's just competition. That's not going to get you free. Like I call myself a sexual liberationist. Oh. Yeah. Do people, do people say like, will you liberate me? (laughs) I wish more. I wish more of them would. Oh, because yeah. I, I really feel like crossing my legs because we're like across. Isn't this com- comfortable? This is so cozy. I feel like I could sit here like this and talk to you about sex like for a long time. Yeah, we're we're both uh, on big cushions on the armrests of a couch facing a, a huge couch. It's just amazing. And your dog is like curled up at my feet. Yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh man, I should hang out with all my friends like this. Um, so I want to talk to you about consent. Let's do it. Because, uh, look, 
your website says that i mean because your podcast was called yes means yes that you did you coin the term yes means yes i did not coin it but i've done a lot of work to popularize it Mm -hmm. um do you want me to just launch into my definition or yeah a a little story a little definition a little like what is this thing because it's now kind of like the gold standard that people use when talking about consent. That, that's what it feels like. That is. And it's kind of cool to me. Like yeah. I never thought it would blow up this fast. Mm-hmm. Honestly. What, what had happened was. Uh, there was a lot of talk about consent. In the feminist blogosphere. In like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a decade we still have not agreed on what to call it. But um And the idea about enthusiastic consent or affirmative consent, it goes by a lot of names, really got fleshed out there. That's where I learned about it. Mm -hmm. And then I wound up writing a couple of things that took off. And I had been talking to Jessica Valenti, who is my co-editor on the book Yes Means Yes. And we were just like, you know, it's time. There had been a book about 10 years before we did Yes Means Yes called Transforming a Rape Culture, Mm -hmm. which had been a huge impact on me. Because it had invited me for the first time to think, well, this culture we live in around sex and sexual violence is not inevitable, right? Like, Mm -hmm. let's imagine how it could be better. But it had been a long time since then. And we thought, you know, it's time to reimagine the culture again. And we thought this conversation was where it was at. Um, And it was Jessica who came up with the phrase, yes means yes, as the title for the book. Although I don't think it was original to her either. But when she said it, I was like, oh, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's what we should call the book. And the basic idea of yes means yes is just, you should only be having sex with people who are actively into it, right? Like the standard no means no is really important. And there was some some confusion when we first started talking about it, I think less so now, Mm -hmm. that we were trying to replace no means no. Mm -hmm. And no no means no is super important, right? That that is a definite, yeah. But if your sex partner is saying no, you should stop. Like, (laughs) just to be super clear. But it's not really enough because it doesn't cover situations where maybe someone's passed out or really impaired, right? Or maybe someone's frozen with fear and they're not communicating Mm -hmm. with you. And you you can't just keep sexually acting on someone until they say no until they say no and say well they didn't say no right the 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 real heart of yes means yes is you're having sex with a person right and that whether or not you've never met this person before or you've known them for 50 years when you have sex with someone you have to show up for them as a human right you have you have a responsibility just to pay attention to them the whole time and you have the right to expect the same thing in return Mm -hmm. so you can only keep doing whatever you're doing if you're sure that person's into it and if you can't tell it you have to ask and that's where it gets tricky everyone gets freaked out when you start to say well you need to talk to your sex partner about sex during sex because we live in this weird culture where we're supposed to be thinking and talking about sex all the time except for with the person we're fucking and then there's this weird myth that like that ruins the mood um right because because the moment you look at the person you're gonna have that you're into and they look at you a wind blows through and your hair gets swept yes you know and then music plays and then it's magic and you just know you just know when in reality like you could start doing something with somebody that you're into and then like 30 seconds later you get a leg cramp and need to stop right like (laughs) 
one's usually much more obvious. I have been with so many people who've had leg cramps in the middle of the <laughs> Leg cramps are real. <laughs> we should talk about leg cramps. But um, it's obvious, but also, like, the I, there's this idea. I get pitched all the time these days now that Yes Means Yes has become trendy. People who've designed consent apps. Uh-huh. And the idea is, like, the two people who want to have sex log into this app and record that they are saying yes to sex and like record that on their phone and then they put their phones down and have sex as I though i haven't heard of this it's horrifying idea because it's this concept that sex is like a light switch mm-hmm. it's like a broken light switch once you turn it on you can't turn it off right mm-hmm. consent is not a thing that happens like one time and then it covers everything that happens after that Okay, yeah, totally. It's a constant thing. But here's the problem. I mean, because I, I, I told you before we started that I have questions. Bring it. Are, I feel like there are so many cracks in this that, and I get asked, and I'm, as a sex educator, I mean, I talk about, like, I, I, I have been trained around STIs, but I don't do sexual health education. That's not my focus. And I, I do touch on consent, but I'm not like a super consent nerd. I think that I, I, and actually if you have any trainings that you would recommend to me and other people who are listening, who would like to get better about that, I think that'd be fantastic in terms of resources. But no, I'm hearing now in, on college campuses, the whole thing is you have to ask about every single friggin' thing you want to do. May I touch your left boob now? How about the base of your penis? I want to touch your butthole. I want to, can I grab, you know, and it's like that I think can turn off the mood. And I think people also, it can be really hot if you do it right. But it just sounds like, it sounds awkward and clunky and not quite, I think what the original intention was. Yeah. I think that the people who get uptight about the yes means yes standard are the people who perpetuate that myth okay so that's not what this is about like you don't need like a notary in the room and like you both sign and they stamp it then he can touch your left boob right like unless you're all into that scene including the notary (laughs) in which case godspeed um (laughs) it's really again about paying attention if you're sure that you're reading somebody's body cues correctly you don't have to say it now what that means is you can read body language probably you can rely on that more with someone that you've had sex with more often because you know their body cues more Mm -hmm. um it's really about does this person seem into it if Mm -hmm. i am not sure then i check in Mm -hmm. right it's it's about sex being an ongoing conversation not about a legal interaction it's a proactive scanning Right. It's, it's your present and noticing. Um, so I yeah. think it's okay, you know, some, realistically, real talk, like to tentatively or sort of try if you wanted to touch the base of somebody's penis, mm-hmm. like to go ahead and touch the base of that person's penis and then watch and see how they respond, right? That mm-hmm. initial touch is not, it's, it, you know, if you're paying attention and reading the signs, like go ahead and try it but then also if you're unsure about how that penis owner is responding to that touch you need to check in and say like do you like that like it's it's not hard to make it sexy also you know yeah, my- what how can you integrate a consent check-in type conversation during sex when everyone's aroused yeah and, or sort of aroused and wh- what are some different ways you can do it well, the, the easiest way to do it is just drop your voice an octave. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
It always sounds sexier down here. May I touch the your scrotum? Can I touch your scrotum? I mean, yeah, scrotum. Don't use the medical terminology is probably a good tip. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Can, I, can I touch your ball sack? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm making fun, but like, okay, no, seriously, okay. All so. right, so, you know, literally just say it in a sexy voice, but also, like, think about the framing. What you're saying to the person is that you desire them. So mm-hmm. say it from that place, right? Not from a place of, like, fear and, like, checking a box, but, like, uh, I'm dying to like lick your nipple. Can I lick your nipple? I just, it looks so delicious, right? Like communicate it from that mm-hmm. place. And that's how, what's going to come across. I felt flat. I was like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Jacqueline. Thank you for asking. Ooh, I'll be right there. <laughs> We're so far away. <laughs> I know this couch feels like a distance to traverse. Yeah, it's yes. like a joke couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about the, the, the section of the population who, when they're asked, do you like that? Can I do that? They don't, they haven't found their no yet. And they haven't, because so many people haven't practiced saying no. And so there's only levels of yes, like a, like a level one yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Versus like a yeah. Well, and that's why we first started talking about it. We called it enthusiastic consent, right? Mm-hmm. So a yes that's coerced or non-enthusiastic is also not really, cons- like, I really encourage folks not to think about this legally at all, but think about this ethically. Most of us who are decent human beings Mm -hmm. only want to have sex with people who are into what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so the rest is details about how we best do that and ensure that we're doing what we already want to be doing. And so if somebody doesn't seem into it and they're like saying, yeah, like you should pay attention to that, right? Mm -hmm. You should maybe be like, are you sure? But for the for that person who hasn't found their no, I mean, I got that question when we toured with Yes Means Yes, the book. Ooh. I got that. That was the number one question I got, which was, I love the idea of affirmative consent, but how do you know what you want to say yes or no to? Like, how do you even figure that out for yourself? And that's actually why I wrote my second book, which is called what you really, really want, the smart girl's shame-free guide to sex and safety, uh, which is all about how do you separate out all the ways that your parents told you you should feel about sex or your church or the media, all the influences, and figure out what you want your relationship to be around Mm -hmm. sex so that you know what you want to say yes to and what you want to say no to, or at least you're more fluent it's not like you ever get a static answer right Mm -hmm. what i want to say yes or no to about sex changes day to day partner to partner and also sort of through the course of Mm -hmm. my life but you start to be able to have that conversation with Mm -hmm. yourself so that's a process right if somebody listening is in that place where they're like it's hard to think about saying no if someone says do you want to do this i think that's a cue to take a step back and work on your sexual relationship with yourself one of the things i say all the time is the most important sexual relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. Truer words never been spoken. Never. You never, are the truest. Ever. You are the truest right now. Um, I, I think it's helpful that people feel the permission to say, I'm not sure. Yes. Let's try it for a minute and see what happens. And that's enthusiasm too, right? Enthusiastic consent doesn't have to mean like, I am at the peak pleasure of mm-hmm. my life, right? It can be like, I don't know, but maybe it'll be fun. I'm enthusiastic about finding out. 
I think sometimes it can be useful to communicate that to your partner. So if you suddenly want to stop because you discover it is not fun, like it's nice if they have some context for that. Not that you can't say no if you mm-hmm. didn't tell them in advance, but you know, I'm always in favor of more communication and more lube generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh. But yeah, I think that we have to take back sexual experimentation. And I think especially for women and the young women I work with, especially there's this idea that if you try something sexual and you discover it wasn't for you, it's some sort of a crisis. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah, I want to differentiate between bad sex and sexual violence and coercion, right? Bad sex is like, yeah, I tried that butt stuff and it was not for me, right? Like, or yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had like icky kind of feelings after sex. Like, yeah, I I do not want to ever try that again, even though it was perfectly consensual and you know, the person wasn't a jerk or, that person smelled really bad or we couldn't find a rhythm or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's okay to try something if you're curious about it and then discover it's not for you. And mm-hmm. that's, we have to stop thinking about that as a crisis. I think mm-hmm. we going back to that sex ed idea, there's this idea that young people and I think young girls, especially young women we're, are not supposed to think or talk about sex at all until they're either 18 or married, depending on who you ask. And then they're just supposed to be fully functioning sexual adults who know how to do everything. Which is not how it works. It's not usually. how it works. Most of us have to try shit to figure out what we like and what we don't like. Mm-hmm. And that's not just sexual positions, but also like circumstances. Like, do you like to have casual sex? Right? Do you like to have a threesome? You know, like, what are the circum- what are the ways that sex works for you and what are the ways that it doesn't? Yeah. Dirty talk. Which kind of dirty talk? I mean, there's so many nuances. Yes. Clit sucking. Sorry, you right? said dirty talk, and I was like, I love dirty talk. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's so many little nuances of what you like and don't like and yeah. to what degree. Um, I think that's really amazing and important to talk about that you need to be able to try stuff. And and so sexual, like, what? how do you, to you, what is sexual violence? Because I feel like there's so, so much gray area. And I don't one, feel like there's so much gray area. Okay. Uh, tell me more. I feel like if someone acts upon another person sexually without making sure they're into it, that's a, a form of violence, right? It's be- because it's it's basically treating that person as less than human, right? Mm-hmm. Like as less than fully a person who has the power to consent. Mm-hmm. And what we know about most rapists just sort of in terms of the statistics and this isn't universally true is that they know they don't have consent they may not be calling it rape to themselves or don't describe themselves as rapists they don't care whether the person is consenting or not Mm -hmm. and i think that not caring Mm -hmm. is actually part of the violence right it's sort of Mm -hmm. like you as a person as a human as a sovereign over your body i don't give a shit about that and that's part of where the violation comes from. Okay. I agree. And now I'm going to process some stuff. Do it. Let's process. Let's get real lesbian. Ooh, that was not politically correct. Oh, I, I was literally going to be like, I used to be a lesbian, um, <laughs> which is even worse. I uh, never actually was a lesbian, although I told my parents I was a lesbian because I wanted them to accept that I was sleeping with women. And I thought mm. if I told them I was still attracted to men, there would be yeah. blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's a whole other. Yeah. The invisible bisexual episode. That's a totally different that. conversation. Um, processing. Because, Okay. 
two completely different and yet related things. Uh, I'm going to start with the lesser told story, which is that I found out much, much later that the first time I slept with a boyfriend of mine, uh, he'd never had sex before. Um, This was many years ago. I think because I'd already had sex in previous relationships. I, I was just so like, we really liked each other. And I was like, okay, I, I want to have sex. And then he, he was like, okay, I'm going to go use the restroom. And I didn't know until much later that he like went into the bathroom and just had like a panic attack and a meltdown because he wasn't ready. Aww. And I didn't know. And also being taught like, oh, guys want it and girls sure. don't. And of course, there's so much sexual violence with men being non-consensually having sex. It is a whole thing. Um, but I realized that I perpetrated a bit of sexual violence myself, even though I didn't, it didn't occur to me, but like, I don't think that, and I don't think he processed it like that, you know, but, but I still feel like, I mean, it was still like for him, it was a bit traumatic. What did he say to you in the moment? Did he say, yes, I want to, or did he say nothing? I mean, it was more like that neutral, like, I don't know how to say no thing where it's like, okay, like, I should want this. I don't really want this. I don't remember. I mean, it was so long ago. Because I think that there's, I think a lot of people do that. I I definitely talk, I think guys do it more than we think about because there's so much pressure on them to always want sex. And I think women do it because they think guys run the show and like if they we're having this very heterosexual conversation i just feel like i should acknowledge it like obviously also these things happen in other pairs but in in a heterosexual dynamic i think also young women sometimes feel like i like this guy and i have to have sex on his terms or else he's not going to like me back so like i think there are a lot of a lot of people who do that who talk themselves into stuff that they don't really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think about that as sort of violating your own boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? That, and I've done it right. Mm -hmm. Like where you talk yourself into a situation where you don't really want to be there and you know, on some level you don't really want to be there, but you don't feel like you can say no. I did it once actually on a casual hookup. I had met this guy on, it was maybe Craigslist. I don't remember. (laughs) And we had basically already said that we wanted to like meet up and have sex before we met. Mm -hmm. And I had dinner with him and I sort of wasn't into him, but I felt like I had already said, like I wanted to have sex. Ooh, been there, been there. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to go through with this. And it was terrible. Ah. And, but I don't blame him at all. Cause like I was giving him every indication that I wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. I was lying. Like I, I was doing the violating of my own boundaries there. Uh And so I, I think that we can do sexual violence to ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are the people who have experienced um, someone kind of knowing that they didn't really want to and still doing it, but yes. then blaming themselves. And so it's kind of interesting because it's like, this is all, until you get really strong, clear senses of the, the narrative of, of what just happened to you and what you just experienced, it can be really murky where you're just feeling icky and you don't know if it was violence. You don't know if you violated yourself. You don't know if it was just like a learning experience. Oh, it can be overwhelming and confusing. I actually just, as of this recording, just published a, a piece about why rape victims sometimes deny to themselves that they've been raped mm-hmm. uh, in, at the Guardian. Um, because 
it's sometimes psychologically easier not to even admit it to yourself right like yeah, absolutely i hear from people men and women who like years later are unpacking shit that they were like told themselves was just like a bad night mm-hmm. and they realize that the trauma hasn't left them and it hasn't it hasn't saved them from the experience but they there there's a real stigma about rape victims in the culture such that a lot of people don't want to identify with that identity right oh i just realized sorry i just realized yes Um, 308 we're good okay we're good i want to respect that and also make sure that well if by the way I'm ben comes charging through the door then completely loving this conversation okay good i hope you are too i am i'm having a really good time yeah, um and i'm sorry i just interrupted you i just was like oh no I, we might have a very tall man coming through the door at any the moment the owner of the tall couch yes the yes. tall couch tall man they match um but that'll be cool okay um where should i take that from i was talking about not wanting to identify yourself as a victim right yeah so there's yes i think that there are a number of victims i I certainly have encountered a number of them in my work who make a decision either on a conscious or even a subconscious level like i don't want to think of myself like the way rape victims are which we think of as sort of pathetic and you know all the stigma that comes along with it and literally just tell themselves a different story about what happened the problem is that doesn't actually protect anybody from the trauma it Mm -hmm. it only really isolates them and and i meet them years later when they're trying to unpack all of that okay so i want to switch gears a little bit yeah because i'd like to know your read on this yeah and so i went to this artist's house to look at some art and this really odd seduction sort of happened where we ended up making out and i mean there's a lot more details that i don't need to really get into but i was kind of like this is weird but okay i guess we're making out now like in my head and and i think i and i try to do a verbal consent thing to making out it's it's like Yes, I am comfortable with making out. And then when a person, you know, sometimes you say yes to one thing and then somebody starts pushing yeah. past that, start, starts grabbing at stuff, starts trying to take off your clothes and like, you know. And so the person I was with started escalating. I was kind of just dodging those escalations because I really was not comfortable with more than uh, the make out. And looking back, like, I think I just sort of left after a while just being like, okay, I gotta go and thinking back going wow like that person was being really intrusive to my body just going for it like just just and just really going for the boobs um and I was like can this person tell by my lack of enthusiastic body language that I am not into his escalation? Because I feel like I've experienced with so many sex partners, especially when I was younger and kind of in that horny teenager phase, the my partner being swept away in their arousal and just sort of going with their boner or <laughs> or or wetness. And because I've, I've had people of all sorts of genital sure. types being like, kind of sexing at me and me being like, ah, I'm not as turned on as you. What do I do now? And feeling a little shitty about not being 
there as quickly as them in terms of being ready and into it. So, I mean, now I'm all like, look, fool, I'm going to need an extra five minutes of just like super duper, like talking about my feelings before I'm like (laughs) down for penetration. And so now I feel much better about it. But thinking back on this and processing it, was that person basically perpetrating violence? I mean, obviously it's also our filter, but because there's that whole thing of like, uh, where when you get the heterosexual like man and woman talking, the guys tend to read it as sexual interest when it's not really there. We're just being friendly or neutral. And so it's, is, am I, was I in that space of them reading me as being interested when I was being neutral and kind of frozen and like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I can't tell you how to feel about that experience and I don't want to name it for you. Come on, name it. Come on. No. But I will say that he certainly did not seem terribly interested in whether you were having a good time. Good point. Yes. And that is, I think, the key. That is a, the key. Here's a metaphor I use. I, I think about uh, sexual violence like drunk driving a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's possible because people sometimes, you know, the the ones who want to play gotcha when I do like college appearances and stuff, they say, uh-huh. well, what if both people are drunk? Are they raping each other? Right. <laughs> it's like the number one, like, Oh, uh-huh. I'm going to really get her question. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, so I'm going to answer it. Um, so instead of thinking about sexual violence, if we're thinking about drunk driving, mm-hmm. imagine two different people getting into their own separate cars, both drunk, solidly drunk, okay. trying to drive to their separate homes. Right. Is it possible that both people could drive home and nobody gets hurt? Yes. Is that a good idea? No. No, it still makes them irresponsible assholes, right? Like, uh-huh. so it's possible that people can act irresponsibly sexually and nobody feels injured by that, but that doesn't make it a good idea and it doesn't make it legal, right? So consent, just because somebody is violating the rules of consent doesn't mean the other person is going to be traumatized for life. And that's why I don't want to name your experience. You're the one who gets to say how that felt to you. Violating the rules of consent does not equal everyone's traumatized forever. Right, but it might because you're taking a risk with somebody else's safety. It's like drunk driving. Right, exactly. Like if, if person A is drunk driving and plows into person B, it doesn't matter if person B was drunk themselves or not. They got hit by person A and now they're really injured, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, it's not a technicality, true. sexual violence. It's totally. about real people's lives and their experiences and their bodies. That's so true. Oh my God. Like and, that really hit home for me. Like I felt that like, yeah. oh, I get it now. More. So it's, it's like not taking risks with another person's body. That's what consent is about. Like don't take dumb asshole risks with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Check in. See if they're, they're excited. Are they excited to be there? Do they seem excited to be there? Yeah, and if you can't tell, and there are lots of reasons you might not be able to tell because we have all this social coding, right? Like, so women, a lot of us get taught, like, that we're not supposed to want sex. We're certainly not supposed to speak up and say, I want you to do this, but not this, right? Yeah, what do you do with the person who likes to be ravaged? Like, they don't want to say yes to anything, but they just want to be taken. I would because there are plenty of people. Yeah, I would negotiate that in advance and uh-huh. have a safe word, right? Like you can okay. have that scene if you if your partner says to you, "I like to be ravaged. I don't want to be asked every moment." You say, "That's cool. Can we have a safe word so that if you start to feel bad, I know what's going on?" Because right, you got to take care of each both people. Like, you got to take care of both people. The top can freak out too. The top could freak out too, right? So yeah. you can negotiate that. You can still be ravaged. I love to be ravaged. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love your look on your face like uh, duh I love that shit right like all of it's possible as long as you're being res- like respectful and careful with each other it's about again it's about remembering that the other person is a human and that you don't want to mm-hmm. hurt them this is a this is an essential um I think part of safe sex almost more basic than STI prevention because how can you talk about condoms if you can't even talk about whether or not you want to be using a, a your genitals exactly exactly and in which ways right right so so saying yes i want to do i want to go down on you doesn't mean yes i want you to fuck me in the butt either right like the idea then that goes back to those dumb consent apps that like you can consent to (laughs) sex as though sex is like one thing are you allowed to say dumb consent app like in a sex positive framework yes because those consent apps are fucking dangerous and i hate them okay okay Oh, which reminds me, sex yes. positive. What is now? Uh, before we started recording, you'd mentioned that part of going from yes means yes to like marrying these ideas of sex positivity and having really big, pleasurable, wonderful sex, and then sexual violence. People think of them as two totally separate things, but they really need each other in uh, in education and yeah, uh, right. The unscrewing is that? Did I get yes, that right? The unscrewing. So yes. can we take it to pleasure? Like, how are you? I don't even know what to say right now, but it's like, I know that you have more to say about sex positivity and how it relates. Okay. Here's what I have to say about it. And here's why also this sort of really uniformly monolithically cheerleady sex positivity drives me up a tree. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I had a friend call me up a couple of weeks ago and the conversation was actually about sexual harassment in the workplace and not about sexual violence. But I think the point applies here, Okay, which is she was like really struggling with the idea that if we're saying like, you can't do sexual harassment in the workplace, we're also saying like, you can't flirt with anybody that you work with and like mm-hmm. all of this stuff that you're like trying to ruin other people's fun. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, well, fun for who? right like fun for who Mm -hmm. the person who's being harassed is not having fun and when we say like stopping sexual harassment is ruining fun we're erasing that person who's actually having the opposite of fun right so i know you're team fun right i'm totally team right Your, your your whole show is about team fun and i'm about everybody in the interaction has to be on team fun together right and we're responsible to each other for making sure that we're both having fun or all of us are having fun if there's more than two people um it's really about everybody equally should have access to team fun and i love that you're talking about nobody talks about team fun to me (laughs) i talk about team fun you're talking about team fun too i like it i love team fun yeah, but the idea I get told a lot like I'm trying to ruin sex and not making it fun and all and and the, and the key question is fun for who, mm-hmm. right? Like if I don't feel safe in my body, if I now you know I was assaulted a long time ago now I live mm-hmm. with trauma is that fun right? Like no, that is not fun. That is the opposite of fun. So if we want to be truly free sexually, we all have to get to be free. Yeah. You can't be free on my body. You know what this reminds me of is um, when, you t- when you talk about like rape jokes and, and in comedy spaces, um, how you write the joke. 
especially when talking about grief or um, terrorism or politics or uh, sex and all that is what's the punchline and if you are the punchline it's almost like in in bed if you're the punchline if you're the object if you're if you're not you don't get to laugh the joke because you're the punchline exactly it's not it's not fun right if you're not invited to the table you're on the menu oh a restaurant metaphor i like it even though it sounds sad um i mean i like being on the menu if it's pre-negotiated yeah well exactly but then you're you're at the table beforehand right um when you're negotiating the scene Mm. right Right, true you're on the table before you get on the table yes (laughs) you're at the table and then you're on the table that's cool oh man i'm really enjoying uh, this um okay all right that's helpful yeah, fun for is it fun for who or fun for whom? Grammatically, it's fun for whom, but I feel stuck up when I say fun for whom. Oh, really? Because it just makes me want to go fun for whom. <laughs> fun for whom. And then you got to push up your imaginary glasses at the same time. Whom. Whom exactly? Um, oh, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a perfect idea around. Um, because even sex positivity and that the fucking cheerleaders who think that means you need to be rah rah for it, and if you are putting people, if you're making some people feel like sudden like just like drained of all fun and just like get real dark inside, then yeah, that's you're really uh, shutting them down. Right. Yeah. Fun for whom? Yeah. Bitches. <laughs> fun for whom, bitches? Yeah. Yeah. Throw it down. Oh, oh, I'm getting a call. I'm going to turn that off. Um, okay. I know you need to run. Okay. Because you were doing like a total media tour today. I am. It turned into like media blitz day. That's great. It's great. Yeah. I do it. I, when I travel and work, I, I have such a hard time fitting in. I get so tired. And so I always admire when you're able to do a bunch of stuff and traveling. People who can do that. Well, I stayed in my pajamas all morning if it makes you feel better. Only slightly. Okay. Because for me, like... If I can get out of my pajamas at like 7 p.m. and go do a show, I'm feeling real good about myself. Respect. Um, oh, my God. Oh, so I want to finish it off because I, I love that we just talked about about fun for whom. whom? But I want to just rewind and double check because I do because we do have a problem, which is that. And I have a hard time because I tend to have sex sober most of the time in my life. Just looking back going, oh, I just, no, I don't do a lot of the, you know, alcohol and drugs when mm-hmm. it comes to sexy time. But realistically, many people do. And that's primarily how they hook up and have sex with their partner or in alleys or wherever they're doing it with whoever, whoever they are having sex with. So is in your experience of, of educating people about consent and and making sure everyone's on team fun, does that mean that the minute you've had a drink or the minute you've smoked some pot, you can't engage in sex? Nope, it doesn't. Uh, it means that you have to learn where the line is between I'm pleasantly buzzed and I am impaired, right? So the question that you want to ask yourself is, do I feel clear-headed enough to make sure that I can tell, like I can pay attention to my partner. Mm. 
right? It, again, it's not like a technicality. It's like, do I feel like I can make sure that my partner's on team fun the whole time? Mm-hmm. Am I clear headed enough for that? And also does my partner seem clear headed enough to be able to communicate that? Mm-hmm. Um, so no it's both ways. Yeah. Both ways. Absolutely. Um, oh, did you say what ways? No, he said, Oh, oh you said both ways. Okay. Yes. Both ways. Yes. So, absolutely have a drink or two have a toke like i don't smoke a lot of pot because i'm asthmatic so i'm not really sure <laughs> exactly to tell you where that line is but um vaporizers my friend <laughs> people tell me that i haven't tried it i'm like so like nervous about my lungs but um but i will check it i think that edibles are probably the way to go it's a whole other experience though is Just it take a tiny bit at first and okay wait, like an hour Anyway, right. that's another experience. That's a different conversation. Totally. Um, but like, sure, a lot of people are anxious about sex. They're nervous. And having a drink or two or whatever the equivalent of that is, like, can take the edge off. That is perfectly human and appropriate. And there's nothing wrong with it. The problem comes when you're either, either you're too impaired to show up for your partner or your partner's too impaired to really tell you coherently what they want and don't want. Um, and if you the problem is people then want to know the line like oh okay my partner is five foot seven and had like a sushi roll at dinner and i had three shots after that can i and that question you may or may not be a rapist but that's a rapey question right because that's a question about getting away with sex Uh instead of treating it as like a human interaction right like can I, if you're asking a question about what you can get away with you need to stop and take a deep breath have sex with a person don't have sex at a person exactly so if you're not sure on either of those questions can, am i clear-headed enough or are they clear-headed enough then don't then just wait a little bit like honestly if one or both of you are that impaired it's probably going to be kind of shitty sex anyway and, and your genitals don't work as well right like life is too short for shitty sex like would you rather have some shitty sex now and risk harming someone or yourself or would you rather maybe t- risk having one less sexual encounter in your life like it, it seems like a clear decision to me i think so but depending on where you are in your life it can, sure. it can feel pretty dry spelly i and and i think flipping it a little bit I have been in a situation where I was with a partner where we were like, let's get really drunk and have wild sex. And that is so freaking fun when you pre, you know, when you basically pre-negotiate and go like, let's get wild. And I mean, that's more like with a person that I was with for a while. Yeah. I was going to say that has to be with someone that you really trust. Like you have a lot of understanding of their signs so that if something starts to go pear shaped, like you have to have a lot of trust between you to do something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. like super do. I, mean, like I guess that's more of an advanced maneuver. That is an advanced maneuver. Yeah, yes. totally. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, no, I would not do that with somebody I barely knew because that just seems like, ugh. Like you have to, so much new sex is not that great anyway where you're like, yeah. you learn a lot of stuff. I want to be there for it. I want to feel it. I want to feel it. Anyway, I'm being ridiculous and you need to go and I'm, I don't know. I feel like there's so much that we just talked about and you're so wonderful for sharing and going to a lot of the gray area spaces of figuring, you know, cause I did ask a lot of like those questions. I'm I, glad you did. Like, I'm glad to get a chance to talk about it because I think sometimes feel people feel alienated by the conversation and look, it's a new idea to a lot of people. So if it feels confusing, that's normal because you haven't seen it modeled a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad you asked all those questions. Well, thank you. Is there any, are there any particular skill sets or bits of language you wish everyone had 
at their fingertips for living life? Here are the things I wish people had. One, the understanding that sex can be awkward and ridiculous and that you won't die from it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's a lot of fear that like, if you're communicating more during sex, that it'll come out funny and it'll feel awkward. Mm -hmm. And I wish that people would just say, okay, and then we'll laugh and go on boning if we feel like it, right? Like that, that we don't have to take sex so damn seriously. Mm -hmm. And that would relieve a lot of the pressure. Great. Um, I wish that people knew that none of it is a script, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're funny, you can do sexual communication funny, right? If you're blunt, you can be blunt. If you like to negotiate everything in advance, you can't do that for everything. You do have to do some in the middle, but you can do some of it about, you know, safe sex or about what you like and don't like. You can do yes, no, maybe lists in advance, right? Use your communication style. Be you. You don't have to be somebody else to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find your way. Yeah. Find your script. <laughs> I'm I'm having flashbacks of the way that I communicate, which is like so specifically me that, but it's good because it feels comfortable. That's amazing. You know, when I was writing what you really, really want, there's a chapter about like, okay, now you figured all this stuff out about yourself. Now you're getting down with another human. Here's how to think about navigating some of that stuff. And I kept trying to write like little scripts about how to do the Mm -hmm. communication stuff. And they always sounded so fucking dumb. I couldn't write one that didn't sound dumb. And it's because whatever I say, First of all, when I write it down, it's going to be more formal than what I actually say. Uh-huh. And whatever I say is going to sound dumb coming out of your mouth because you're not me. Oh, man, I want, really want to do a video of just you and me trying different consent scripts. Oh, my God. Right I now. love that. Oh, why don't we have more time? Um, any, other, any other skills? I mean, you know, I could go on, but I think those are the big ones. Okay. Be yourself. Be yourself. Yeah, well, that... Nobody really knows how to be themselves. That's the problem. But that goes back to like, also accept that shit gets awkward sometimes and that you won't die of awkward. Yeah. Like, trust, trust yourself. Yeah. Be yourself. Carpe diem. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, sometimes I just like whispering into the microphone. Hey, Jacqueline, where can people find you in the world? Ah, they can find me at JacquelineFriedman.com. I'm going to spell my first name, Do which it. is J-A-C-L-Y-N. And a Friedman is with an I-E. Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Jacqueline F uh, on Facebook in the same place. Uh, They can find Unscrewed, the podcast, wherever fine podcasts are purveyed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those are the basic places you can check me out. Man, we talked about so many things. It was really great. Yeah, what did we talk about? It was everything. It was deep. Yeah, we really got in there. Yeah, we got in there. We we screwed and we unscrewed and we screwed again. Yeah. All over the place, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. This was a thrill. Jacqueline, go team fun. Go team fun! Go team fun! Now leaving Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.